BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. morning millennials welcome back to the morning toast happy monday we hope everyone had a fabulous weekend and is feeling refreshed maybe hungover. that's okay welcome back to the morning toast i'm so excited hi Jax. hi how are you doing i'm great i'm so great because i'm with theo of course and i didn't want to just like jump into something so negative so I, early I on in the show i literally knew what you were gonna do I, and I think I think it has to be done because something so devastating happened this weekend. Um, you and I were hanging out on Saturday. And we, we were a fabulous having, day. We were having such a fabulous day. And luckily for me, you had made some plans that evening and you asked if I could take do-do-do-do-do Theodora. And I was overjoyed, you know. He came over. You told me he was going to sleep by me. And we started watching Yellowstone together. I took him out for a late night walk. I washed his paws. We got into bed. I moved the love sack from my living room to my bed. And if you have a, a movie-sized love sack, you know it's a, that's a big thing it's to do. It's huge. It's huge. And we're in bed. It's 1230. And my sister texts me. And she says, hey, are you up? And it's like, I knew what you were texting me for. But I'm not going to ignore your text because you're my sister. Like, you know, I'm going to be there for you. Yeah, of course. And yes, I was up. Uh, she calls me and says that her and Ben are coming to take Theo. Like, we were literally in bed together, perched, watching Yellowstone, cleaned, happy boys and okay. girls. And it was all just, it was ripped away from me. I and just feel it, like I'm not going to lie, like, it was so hurtful. I think you are intentionally leaving out an integral part of the I, story. Yeah. But, but to was, fit your own narrative. it was part of the story when you asked me to watch him and have him sleep over. Yes, when I asked you to watch him, it was never fully clear whether or not he was sleeping over. Like, we were going to figure it out. And I would have let you keep him literally for the whole weekend, but you don't have any of his food at your house. I know, but... So he wasn't going to eat breakfast because... And, like, only because you wanted him? Like, that's just so selfish. No, he had just had dinner when he came over, so we would have woken up and I would have taken him home. He would have done a little intermittent fast, like a mini... No, I Mini just, fast. I didn't think it was good for him. And and he had carrot. And I got home earlier than expected. Like if it was four in the morning, I would have just left him there. But I got home at a reasonable hour. At 1 a.m. I'm a reasonable mom. Like, sorry. I'm sorry that that happened to you. Obviously. It's okay. I mean, I, I understand. Like, I, I understand. Here's I, the thing. I understand. It just, it just hurt. Are you like Snatchler? Will you learn your lesson and buy some food for your house? Oh, for sure. For sure, except like when you don't have a dog and you just have dog food, like the food does smell, but... No, it's called like a Ziploc, just like you'll zip no, it up. No, I can like, I know I don't have food for the end of my house because I don't smell it. Well, you obviously don't care enough, that's what I'm saying. No, I will have food next time. I will learn my lesson. I just... You know when you give him a bath and he gets so riled up? Mm-hmm. Like he and he starts, like runs around and like he scrapes his head on the ground? He was like barking in my apartment at midnight <laughs> and we got past that stage, you know calmed him down he he was liking Yellowstone too because of all the horses and the mm-hmm. animals which by the way I'm like knee balls deep in Yellowstone and it's so fucking good and I need for you to watch it we'll recap it we have so much to recap in our TV recap we have, segment I watched so much TV this weekend so did you we have our toast movie of the week recap so that'll obviously as always be at the end of the show but yes we have a heavy a fat 
recap section today. Very, very fat. We also have the Fast Five, obviously. Lots of things did happen over the weekend. You know, stones were unturned. Yes, stones were turning. They were turning stones. And so it's going to be a great show. I just had to get that off my chest. But other than that, I had had a really nice, relaxing weekend where I feel like I consumed a lot of content and participated, you know, in the content consummation of our nation. I... Too consumed a lot of content, but I also made a fabulous piece of content last you night. You did. You were a content creator. And the reviews are in, and they're pretty spectacular. Um, you know, Olivia, our sister, is a new mom, and she's been really offline, and she talks a lot about why she made that decision. Um, her podcast, Maternity Live, has been on pause, and she spoke a lot about... Um, She's like struggling with whether or not she should come back because, you know, once you have a kid, like your priorities are so different, not only like time management wise, but like you just want to protect your child. And she got, you know, a really unnecessary amount of hate towards the end of her pregnancy. And I think that kind of like scarred her. And we talk a lot about that on the podcast episode, in addition to her birth story. um, And for those wondering why she didn't do it on maternity live, you'll hear why on the podcast. She's just unsure. And I think doing things on Patreon makes everyone feel a little safer because Mm -hmm. it is behind this wall um it was really funny I mean we literally recorded the whole episode while she was pumping and like her nipples were straight up in my face that's so funny you love that I love that I'm just like constantly marveled by the the spectacular nature of the female form like it just what like what was happening in front of me was a miracle yeah it was crazy it's a miracle but it happens every day in every way. It's no, it's just so common. It's like, yep, my boobs common make th- milk and it's just to crazy. Feed my baby, and it's the only thing baby can eat. No, it makes so much sense. Like, you know, evolution is fantastic. Um, so we we did her birth story. We were just talking about like new mom, all the like the funny gadgets she has, like she has a special machine to pick Michaela's nose. It was really great. Um, it's a podcast episode, it's up on the Patreon, patreon.com slash the morning toast, if you want to check it out. People are loving it, and I had so much fun doing it. Like, any excuse to go over to Olivia's house now? Yeah. Now that she's got that baby? I mean, always. Just hanging out with Mick. It's She's the coolest chick in the world. It's life-changing. It is life-changing. And it's, like, really, it's so funny. Leaving her department, her apartment is really like an emotional roller coaster because when you're sitting on her couch just like holding Michaela like truly nothing else in the matter world matters there's no Instagram drama there's really like there's no pandemic it's like you're just looking at this fresh life and like the second you close her door behind you it's like back to the terrible real world stark contrast it's so stark and it's like you really never want to leave her house no I I feel you that's why she doesn't leave her house and we spoke about that too oh perfect well I'm really excited to listen I've been getting into podcasts well On Friday night, I spent the majority of my night watching Joe Rogan Mm. because he, too, films his show, and it's on YouTube. He does three-hour episodes. I know everyone knows everything about Joe Rogan. How Um, many times a week? I think he does, like, multiple episodes a week. Wow, that's a long time. Yeah, and he's just, like, so great at at the job, and it was a pleasure to watch him, and I just feel like I have a renewed podcasting energy. I would love to hear it. Due to watching Joe Rogan, I just... I'm feeling more emboldened than ever, you know, yeah. to do the job. We love an emboldened steed. Yeah. He's just so, like, he he, he is the real deal. He's mecca, and like, was, of podcasting. Even though, like, I didn't know that much about him before watching the show. Like, he was everything I thought he was, even though I had limited information, you know? I feel that. So it was just really enjoyable. Um, I know it's the number one podcast in the world, so I don't have to tell you guys to listen to it, because you probably <laughs> already do. But it's crazy how long the episodes are, because sometimes I feel like our episodes are are long and people don't even have that much time but like millions of people sit down and listen to these three-hour intellectual conversations on the daily no when you really think about what joe rogan has done like for the medium and just like the business he's carved out for himself like you can't think about it too long because it's so impressive like just the sheer volume of people who have watched his show 
for so long and how many new people watch just like you like every day just discovering it it's really the most incredible thing and he weirdly has like legs in a million different things like he does sports right yeah well he started as an MMA fighter and now oh. he, he does sports commentary I was on his Wikipedia he used to be the host of Fear Factor oh I listened to an episode and he was like when we were filming Fear Factor I was like what yeah Interesting. Very interesting. I thought maybe he was a contestant, but no, he was the host. Fear Factor is well, I don't I don't know if it's still on, but like when it was at its heyday, I think it was on like MTV or something, it was the craziest show. I know, we weirdly used to watch it. You know, it was so popular. I would that's like the last reality show I would ever go on. Yeah. I would rather go on The Bachelor and like have to be in a bikini all day than lay in, in a bug. bathtub of roaches. Yeah. And then oof, eat them. Oof. Disgusting. Sickening. Sickening. The things and the things that used to make people do like oof, oof, oof. Yeah, sick. I don't know what the prize was, but it wasn't enough. The presence of Joe Rogan is the prize. Um, So yes, anything else we want to talk about? Recap from the weekend before we dive in? Uh, No, I think that's all she wrote. I started the Redheads book last Mm. night because we're recording this week. The episode drops the first Thursday of every month, so the first Thursday of August. Um, And it's actually, it's it's really, really good. I'm not that far into it yet, but I really like the writing style. It makes me feel like it's a quote-unquote easy way to mm-hmm. read it and I'm really looking forward to the discussion That's and fabulous. the episode so if you want to become a redhead you know that it's never too late just it pick really up a book and start never never too late never too late Claude Oh, me? Yeah. I don't know how you guys read the book so fast. Like, that's what I know you give everyone a month and like you read a book in a day but like I literally need three months to read a book. Yeah. No, I the Jessica, Well, the Jessica Simpson book was really long but it still took me like more than a month. Yeah. I don't like to be rushed. And you know what it is? It's like, I don't want to feel like I have homework, you know? No, I know. Sometimes it does f- start to feel like homework, but then we do the homework and, and we're so much better off for it. And I'm like, oh, I'm so glad, you know, I hadn't read a book in like a week. And if it wasn't for the Redheads, I wouldn't yeah. be reading right now. I just would have like finished watching Yellowstone. And it really, it forces you to get back and read these books that are also different from one another. And... I think it's just a great passion that I'm passionate about. I have to say, even though, you know, Facebook groups are a thing of the past, the Redheads group is going strong. It's and so it's, cute. It's literally the nicest group. It's and it's just like filled group. with people who want to share things that they love and recommend things to other people. Yeah. No, it really is the nicest group. I don't want to jinx it, but like everyone in the Redheads is a sweetie. Yeah. Don't jinx it. <laughs> the jinx is fucking real. <laughs> okay. So I guess without further ado, because there has been much ado about kind of nothing. Mm-hmm. We could get into the fast five stories that you, yes, you need to know before you wake up and take a bite out of your morning toast. And that's true. And, you know, as always, today's episode is brought to you by our Patreon, patreon.com slash the morning toast. The month of July has four episodes already. There will be one more coming this week. And then we start again August, five fresh new videos or podcasts. And I think you guys will really enjoy it. Again, it's $7.99 for a monthly subscription of five extra episodes from Jackie and I, vlogs, audio podcasts, anything you can dream of. And of course, access to our last remaining Facebook group, The Toast After Dark, which is super exclusive, only Patreon members allowed. And it's fabulous. Yes, quite fabulous. Are you ready for our first story? I'm so ready. It's a sad one because Mm. Regis Philbin has died. The iconic TV host, actor, singer, and all-around media personality who was once dubbed the hardest working man in showbiz passed away this weekend. This is according to a statement from his family. They told People, quote, his family and friends are forever grateful for the time we got to spend with him for his warmth, his legendary sense of humor, and his singular ability to make every day into something worth talking about. We thank his... That's really beautiful. Yeah. We thank his fans and admirers for their incredible support over his 60-year career. A source tells TMZ that Regis died early Saturday after suffering a heart attack at his home possibly the one in Connecticut although they have not confirmed that with the family how old was he at that point he was 88 years old I mean what a life what a legacy 
Um, when I think of Regis Philbin, I think of his very small cameo in Miss Congeniality. I don't know why. Yeah. That's literally all I can think about. Maybe because I didn't really grow up watching Live with Regis and Kelly. You know, that's so funny because when I was thinking about him this morning, I was like, I associate him with Miss Congeniality, but that's William Shatner. But no, they're both in it and they're both very similar. Same exact and, person. And I'm so glad to understand why I assumed Regis was in that movie. That was And he asks the iconic question, if you, what is your idea of the perfect date? Oh yes, that was him. Yes, yes, yes. yes. April 25th. Because it's not too hot and it's not too cold. All, All you need, need is a light, light jacket. jacket. Um, I mean, this is, of course death is sad, but sometimes we report on death like when it's a tragedy. And to me, like Regis Philbin lived such, I mean, I didn't know him, but what a powerful, meaningful legacy he leaves behind. Yeah. 88 is a long time and I think that people and the industry were forever impacted I mean when you think of Regis what do you think live with Regis and Kelly right and so I actually didn't see it but I got so many DMs of people sending me Kelly's post about Regis like really disappointed in her response because she posted a picture from like a million years ago of her Regis and Ryan yes and Mickey Mouse I see it here with a statement that Ryan also posted like so it was just like oh, this I see this is you, a statement yeah we are beyond saddened to learn about the loss of Regis Philbin he was the ultimate class act bringing his laughter and joy into our homes every day on live for more than 23 years we were beyond lucky to have him as a mentor in our careers and aspire every day to fill his shoes on the show we send our deepest love and condolences to his family and hope they can find some comfort in knowing he left the world a better place which is obviously lovely but when it's copy and pasted on both ryan and kelly's instagram i think a lot of people took that as disingenuous well also because kelly worked with him for so many of years course. whereas ryan was never hosted the show with him like permanently no now ryan takes over his legacy right. of the hardest working man in hollywood oh for sure which is actually perfect that ryan filled his shoes totally uh so i agree that people might have wanted something more personal from for Kel from kelly but you know what how people grieve is That's just true. no business of ours. I mean, I literally saw two Instagram posts from Snooki who was like devastated because when they used to do press for Jersey Shore, I guess they went on and she had some sort of connection with him. And I thought her post was literally so sweet and more genuine than Kelly who worked with him for years. Again, you obviously don't know how people are grieving. I just thought a lot of people, I thought it was interesting how many people like sent it to me and thought it was just interesting. Yeah, I guess so. I just, I'm... I'm remiss to criticize the way that's what someone posts on social media because so many times like it's social media is nonsense. It's not indicative yes. of how anyone feels about anything. And if someone doesn't want to bear their soul on their Instagram account, they don't have to. That works for me. I agree. But Kathy Lee Gifford also posted something really sweet. Um, it's just he was a loved man and he lived a large and long life. Mm -hmm. And that's really all you can ask for in this world. It's but it's still all a you loss. Can ask for. It's still a loss for sure. Yeah. I mean, now I'll never be able to watch that movie again without just being sad. Uh, Miss Congeniality. Miss Congeniality, yeah. An iconic cameo. Okay, next story is some exciting EGOT news because the Daytime Emmy 2020 winners, they did a virtual show, et cetera, et cetera. I just have to say, they did a virtual show and one of the hosts was Tabitha Brown, my favorite TikToker, getting the respect that she deserves. She's like the vegan. Yes, yes, yes. Oh my God, I fucking love her. And she was just in Vanity Fair and now she's hosting the virtual Emmys and it's just a great year for Tabitha Brown. Yes, um, the second round of winners for the 47th Annual Daytime Emmy Awards were unveiled on Sunday night as the ceremony handed out trophies honoring children's lifestyle and, and animation programming. The ceremony also paid tribute to Regis Philbin, who passed away oh. this weekend by sharing his acceptance speech for the Lifetime Achievement Award he received in 2008. Oh, wow. Um, so the winners of the Daytime Emmys are out, which is interesting, sure, but we have a new EGOT in our midst. Who? 
Alan Menken, the composer, he's composed everything. Fabulous. He did Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, The oh. Little Mermaid, If Pocahontas, he did Beauty and the Beast, he's obviously a world-renowned talent. Everything of the sort. Little Shop of Horrors, Newsies, Hunchback of Notre Dame. So what did he win now? Oh my God, he composed Enchanted, which is the most underrated film of um, all time. I don't think I've ever seen it. Yes, you have with Amy Adams where she goes no, from being a cartoon. I know. I, I really don't think I've ever seen it. Claudia, it's beautiful. I know. It's so good. And James Marsden is in it. And the music I is mean, so good. Anything James Marsden is in is fabulous. Ever, ever after. That's Alan I know Mankin, that song. y'all. Wow, how interesting. So what did he win the Emmy for this round? Oh, interesting. Let me scroll down the list. Uh, he became the 16th person to achieve an EGOT, which is interessant. We only have 16. Hopefully 17 soon. David Foster, we're pulling for you. Or 18 Lady Gaga. She's kind of close. Is she? Um, yeah. She has the Oscar. She has the Grammy. She needs the Emmy. She didn't win that time. No, but she does do TV. So it's like, it's not so far off. She already has her toe in the pond. Yeah, I agree. The Emmy could happen. I'm not sure what Alan Menken just won for. Whatever. Um, another interesting thing that I saw who won an Emmy very randomly was Allie Brooke from Fifth Harmony. Ooh. She had co-written or written um, a theme song for like a children's TV show oh, that won an Emmy. So he won for best original song um, with along with Glenn Slater for Rapunzel's Tangled Adventure. Fabulous. So fabulous. I mean, I don't, like I'm so familiar with his work and not the man. And he just seems so deserving because mm-hmm. he's a part of everything that's fabulous. So who are EGOTs? I know um, John Legend is an EGOT. Whoopi Goldberg is Whoopi, an EGOT. That's literally EGOT. the only one I know. Whoopi Goldberg. Okay. And I only EGOT. know that from that episode of 30 Rock List. where Tracy wants to become an EGOT, so he calls Whoopi Goldberg. Okay, here are the EGOTs. I feel like we probably won't know the names. Yeah, no, we're not going to know a lot of these people. Richard Rogers, who's a composer. I ha- believe that's Rogers and Hammerstein. You know, the Roger. I'm I think. Do not quote me on that. Even if it's not, like, I like that narrative. It might as well, but you know, even if it's not, like, I'm going to pretend like it is. Helen Hayes. So she was an actress. Don't know her. Uh, Rita Moreno. Don't know her. John Gilgud. Don't know him. Audrey Hepburn. Wow. Fabulous. Fabulous. Marvin Hamlick. Unclear. Jonathan Tunick. Who? A lot of these people are composers and conductors. Yes. Conductors. I mean, Mel Brooks. Oh, I mean, if you think about it, like, who really can transcend four totally entirely different industries? And it's really the music. It's really the music. So it makes sense that, like, John Legend um, has one. Mike Nichols, Whoopi Goldberg. Love. Yeah. Oh, they mentioned this article from mentalfloss.com mentions the episode of 30 Rock. That's the only reason I know it. She walks around with the EGOT necklace. Scott Rudin, Robert Lopez, um, Andrew Lloyd Webber, John Legend, and Tim Rice. I have heard of Andrew Lloyd Webber. Oh, and there are some she-gots. Barbara Streisand, Liza ah. Minnelli, James Earl Jones. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. These were people who are... Um, Close? Sorry. It's worth, there are a handful of other, other famous faces who have also earned all four awards, but because at least one of them is a special or honorary award only, not a competitive oh. one, their inclusion in the club is questionable. Right, like a Lifetime Achievement Emmy. Okay, so that's Barbara Streisand, Liza Minnelli, James Got Earl Jones, it. Alan Menken, but now he's... Legit. Legit. Harry Belafonte, Quincy Jones. And then we have almost EGOTs. Are you, do you want to hear those? Sure. I'm so obsessed with EGOT dumb. It's fascinating. Okay, almost EGOTs, Julie Andrews. Mm. Lin-Manuel Miranda. Oh, he'll get it. Martin Scorsese. Oh, that's interesting. He needs a Tony. Oh. Francis McDormand. Oh, she'll get it. Viola Davis. She'll get it. Randy Newman. Don't know him. Al Pacino. 
I think I've heard of him. John Williams. Unclear. Cher needs a Tony. Cher, I mean, their Cher the Musical just came out. Did it not win any Tonys? Oh, because it's so true. They got to step it up. Elton John. Oh, I, th- I thought he was an EGOT. For sure. He needs an Emmy. I feel like he could get one in his like, sleep. Right, what, like, no, literally give one of your old songs that you threw in the trash to, to the Ryan movie. Murphy or something. Yeah. Uh, Ron Howard and Brian Grazer and Trey Parker and Matt Stone. Also, I think it's worth mentioning, you know who I think is going to get one in their lifetime, but they're pretty new on the scene? Ben Platt. Those guys, uh, Pasek and Paul. Yes, from... Um, from Greatest Showman yes. and from D.R. Van Hansen. But can I also just um, get recognized for my fabulous answer? Ben Platt already yes. has a Tony. He was nominated for a couple Emmys. He might have won one. Um, he has a very long career ahead of him. And he does so much musical theater, um, which is the key because it's the music that you really need to get an EGOT. Yeah, but he has the Tony. So right. I think he could get a Grammy. What do you think is the hardest one to get? It depends on who you are. I think for a lot of people, it's that the Tony, Tony David, Foster. David Foster. Yeah. You know, but for Ben Platt, it's the, pro- the first one he got. Or it would probably be the hardest for him to get an Oscar because he's transitioning from musical theater to TV and then into movies, which is the hardest jump to make. But he's so talented, I have no doubt. Yeah, it's tough. I wonder if when they're like granting the awards, if the they take into if consideration. They take into consideration. I wonder if they want more egots or they want to keep it like so competitive. I'm sure they want to keep it like prestigious. Yeah, but it sounds super prestigious already. Not as prestigious. Like that is only the creme de la creme. Speaking of creme de la creme, when it comes to my eyes, I only prefer the cream. Uh, of course. And that's why Felix Grey is better. There are a lot of blue light glasses on the market but they are not all created equal. Many blue light glasses don't filter enough blue light, especially in the range that matters. Most screens produce blue light at a certain point in the spectrum of 455 nanometers, and most clear blue light lenses only filter about two to 3% in that range. Felix Gray uses a proprietary filtering technology to filter 15 times more blue light in the same range. They filter out 90% of the blue light in most damaging range and eliminates 99% of glare through a proprietary industry-leading technology only available with Felix Grey. Glare is real. I never realized that because I'm new to the glasses front. I've gotten glasses. I have astigmatism for like the last maybe two, three years when I watch TV. And in the dark, like glass glare is so real. It gives me, and I'm prone to migraines, it gives me the worst headache when I'm looking at like a blurry screen. It really doesn't even help. And then I watch so much TV and scroll on TikTok before bed so much. (laughs) That I didn't even know blue light is like a very real thing and it can keep you up if you're yeah, not wearing a... It makes your brain think that it's daytime. Oh. So that's why blue light blocking glasses are so fabulous. Because then it's like, what do you want, glare? <laughs> that should be their slogan. Felix Gray, what do you want, glare? Um, Felix Gray frames are hand finished from durable, super lightweight Italian acetate. If you order online, the glasses ship directly to you with a hard case and a lens cloth included. Oh my God, lens cloths are so fabulous. Like you think you could clean your glasses on like your dirty t-shirt. You cannot. I don't know what it is about this specific cloth, but it's like this proprietary fabulous technology. It's like lens cloths over loincloths. So oh, true. Every day. And that's the magic of Felix Grey. Try them for 30 days risk-free. If your screens aren't easier on the eyes, send them back for a full refund, but I'm pretty sure you won't want to do that. Go to felixgrayglasses.com slash toast for the absolute best quality blue light filtering glasses on the market. That's felixgray, F-E-L-I-X-G-R-A-Y, glasses.com slash toast. Shipping and returns are totally free at felixgrayglasses.com slash toast. F-E-L-I-X-G-R-A-Y, glasses.com slash toast. Sign on, see right. Sign on, what do you want, Glare? <laughs> Okay, you ready for our next story? It's like an opportunity for you to talk about the only thing that you probably want to talk about. The Beermans? No. Oh, that's always what I want to talk about. Folklore. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, we have another story. I thought you were like setting me up for the Vanessa Morgan story. Oh, no, no, no. Sorry. 
I'm, I didn't realize you wanted to talk about the Beermans more than you want to talk about Taylor right now. No, no, I just, I was trying to like, you were throwing Pre-ent. me a bo- uh, I know, I, I understand. A law, but I was trying to dunk it and I just totally failed. I understand, I'm sorry. It's, like, it's my fault, don't be sorry. <laughs> no, but like, it was my fault. I set up the shot and no, he missed. So 100%. It's on, it's on both players. No, I think it's on you. <laughs> <laughs> Blake Lively praises Taylor Swift's folklore after Singer reveals the name of actress's baby girl. Blake Lively has nothing but wonderful words to say about Taylor Swift's latest release. The actress shared a supportive message to the musician whose new album, Folklore, which was released on Friday, included a track that confirmed the name of Lively and Ryan Reynolds' third daughter who was born last year. In her note, Lively extended her gratitude to Swift, album producers Aaron Dessner and Jack Antonoff, as well as singers Bonnie Vare. Now that I know how to pronounce Bonnie Vare, like, I can't be stopped. Bonnie Vare, Bonnie Vare, Bonnie Vare. But that's not how I pronounce it. Bon Iver. No, that's not how I pronounce it either. Boniver. Oh, fuck. I don't even know how to pronounce it, right? I'm not sure. I mean, my friend Jason Abramson is Boniver's number one fan. Like, he was talking about Boniver when I was in high school. I'm like, oh, you think you're so cool? Now he has a song with Taylor Swift. I'm like, oh, my God, Boniver. And he says Boniver, and in high school, everyone was like, Bon Iver. So I'm going to go with Jason on this one. Up until recently, I think they, he, it's a he. Yeah. Like, it's not a group. No, no, it's a he. Um, played Coachella, and that was when I learned that it's Boniver. You know, I could see how, you know, a jaded American such as yourself would think it's Bon Iver. But as Phoebe, Phoebe Buffay once said, you Americans always butcher the French language. Um, okay, so this is what Blake Lively had to say. Can we all please crawl inside that piano with you and live in this album? Like you, folklore is full of heart, soul, humor, passion, intelligence, wit, whimsy, reality, imagination, strength, vulnerability, and above all things, love. That's really sweet. After the album dropped, the singer's fans who are pros at picking up on the clues were quick to note that the track Betty appeared to drop some major news about their nine-month-old. They said that the lyrics to the song featured three names, Betty, Inez, and James, James, the latter two being the names of Reynolds and Lively's three and a half and five-year-old daughters. Right, so everyone thinks that Inez... I mean, the thing is, is like there are, there are three songs on the album, True Swifties know, that they're Please all... Please break it down for the, for the people who just listen to music and enjoy it. Okay, and I want to go through all the songs really quickly, but there are three songs on the album, August, Cardigan, and Betty, that are supposedly about a, a love triangle from three different perspectives. And all the characters in the love triangles have names and she references them. Betty is obviously one of them. James is one. And what's the third? Inez. Inez, thank you. Well, no, she's not in the love story. She's just the girl who's constantly saying rumors. You heard the rumors from Inez. You can't believe a word she says, but this time it it was true. So So she's not a main character. Do you think she just used the baby's names as like inspiration? It's totally possible. Inez really starting stuff at three and a half years old? I don't think so. (laughs) Okay. Again, unclear. Because Taylor is very overt sometimes, but it's always so subtle. It's like, we could be making this all up in our heads. Yeah. We never know. And I feel like if she's writing about three people and it's like that, and this is kind of what she did when she had the, the kid on the song that was like gorgeous, gorgeous um, where it's like a fun fact for this kid who gets their name in like an iconic piece of, of songwriting. Art. Yeah. Totally. So I think she probably just borrowed the names. Yeah, no, I don't think it has like any, you know, no, weird meaning. That, yeah, yeah. I'm not saying that the baby's starting stuff. No, and the word, I mean, the word, um, the name Inez is so fabulous for songwriting because it rhymes. Yeah. It's not like Claudia. What the fuck rhymes with Claudia? Daudia. Thank you. 
Um, and just quickly back to the album, it's been really fabulous to see so many people like coming out and supporting the album, like celebrities, people who aren't traditional Taylor Swift stands. I mean, of course, as an OG, like, you know, you feel a little bit of resentment. It's like, everyone's like, this album's amazing. I'm like, yeah, I know. Like, of course it is. But I'm ultimately happy that like everyone's getting on board. Because so everyone- who are the people, who are some of the standout people who spoke about it who aren't in her usual circle. Angie Cohen was listening to it all weekend on his Instagram stories and he tweeted about it like I can't stop listening oh, to it. Oh, that's really cool. Um, yeah, no, and it's just been like, like even my friend, I don't know why I'm talking about him so much, but Jason Abramson who like loves Bon Iver, um, I'm always trying to get him to listen to Taylor because he like loves music and he like gets it and appreciates it from afar but like I was like, you have to listen to this album, listen to X, Y, and Z and he's like, I already listened to it. The song with Bon Iver is so good. Beautiful. It's called Exile. It's a collab between the two. I think it's, you know, the two of them talking about a relationship and a breakup from like two totally different perspectives and it's funny how like you could literally go through something with someone and you two see it so differently. Yeah, you have two completely different stories. I learned that that's what the song was about from Snatchler folklore reaction video which, which you was should good. definitely check out after you finish this episode so again I I don't think I've even had enough time to come up with a couple favorites because it's such a first of all it's 16 songs it's a big album and it's filled with just so many nuggets like I can't even begin to tell you what my top three are but here are some standouts immediately the last great American dynasty I mean the fact that Taylor can write a bop about a woman who lived in the house before she lived in it is just songwriting at its finest exile i love my tears ricochet is is a favorite for a lot of people i'm obsessed with the story and the the lyrics i'm not obsessed with the song i just i can i i think that the song is about scott borchetta and the whole drama of like her losing her art and losing scott borchetta who was like a a part of her family for like the last 12 years and there's a line in it that it's like when you can't sleep at night do you hear my stolen lullabies which is like Definitely about Scott Borchetta. And it's just really beautifully done, although it's not like my favorite melodically. Okay. Um, I love the song August. I feel like it should have been like the ending credits of a 90s rom-com. Like a bottle of wine. Because you were never mine. It's, it's just so, it's so 90s. It's so credits, right? she does right? a music video for it. And she, I mean, she would never do this because it's like too Ariana Grande. But do like what Ariana Grande did and do like a recreation of a, a fabulous 90s movie. Or like make your own rom-com. Like and, and have the song, like the song, yeah. I just can't hear the song without literally thinking I'm watching the credits. Yeah, she needs to call up Hannah Lux Davis and make it happen. She needs to call up Hannah Lux Davis. Um, and probably my favorite song on the album right now is Illicit Affairs. I just think it's so good. And anytime Taylor talks about um, like something adolescent, like when she talks about the high school or like frames a song in like a school scene, it just it tugs at my heartstrings because that's how she started writing about like high school. Um, and in Illicit Affair, she has a fabulous line about meeting someone behind the mall. And it's just so like OG Taylor. And that's what I love about it. And Illicit Affairs has a little bit of a beat. You know, it's a slow album, but you can dance to Illicit Affairs. Nice. And I love Peace and Betty. Those are my tops. Peace is just really really beautiful and Betty is an actual country song like there's a harmonica on it it's It's, so good I feel like that is the one that is sort of rising from from the others the creme de la creme even though it's all so cremey you know what they say about cream it rises to the top yeah creme I don't that means cream I know you guys are from New Jersey quote for my comedy special disgrace queen that line 
killed me. And you want to hear a little fun fact? Mm -hmm. That was improv. Like that was, I didn't have that joke written. No, it was, it it was so good. It was so funny. I remember, like now I remember that while I was at the show, it killed me. It was like one of the things I was hearing for the first time. And then when I watched the special, that is just so fabulous and life-changing, it killed me once again. Thank you so much. Again, Disgraced Queen, now streaming. I can't believe, you know, I know I'm being so annoying, like talking about it so much, but you know when you release a project, there's like a couple days where there's so much buzz about it and then like everyone forgets about it and what's on with their life. I can't, what is it? Especially in the influencer world. And especially in the pandemic, it's like everyone's just on to bigger and better things. Yeah. It's Um, kind of like everyone's just trying to get it over with. Like they have something that they need to launch and like they're like, please just let it pass. Yeah. And so, I mean, what are we, three weeks out now? It came out June 30th. Almost a month. A month. Literally, I got tagged in so many stories over the weekend, like people who hadn't found the time to watch it yet. And like, it really just means so much to me that like people like it because I've done a lot of things in my career, most of which I'm not proud of, but like I am so proud of this one because like I think it's so good. Speaking of things that you've done in your career, I watched Say Yes to the Dress. Oh god. I watched well, our friend Kristen was just on the most. I need to watch her episode. She's so fabulous and Liz is in it and her friend Chelsea. From from Dynasty Fallon is our friend Kristen's best friend from like She's her maid of honor. And so she, that's just like such a treat and it's such a sweet episode, but it got me in the spirit of Say Yes to the Dress. And I don't think I've watched our episode in full other than the clips that people send me on Instagram and Snapchat. I haven't watched the whole thing in full since it came out for sure. I don't think I've ever even actually seen it in full. Like it's so crazy. I'm so ashamed of it. It's like, so crazy. To, I understand why, why you don't, why it's not your favorite thing because like it really was so crazy how the woman was like, this might be the first bride I've ever been afraid of when you legit said. She I, said that? Yeah. When you legit said, like, I just want long sleeves, the rest I'm open. And then she was, like, so constrict, Like, you know, like, running around the store, like, I asked for the most complicated black snakeskin no, no, dress. And you were so particular, she said. When you had one criteria, like, honestly, you didn't have enough specification. You no, know, people come in, I want a sweetheart neckline, mermaid tail. I'm like, I don't care. I just want long sleeves because it's a religious wedding and I don't like my arms. So it's like, therefore, me being insecure about my arms is me, me being but difficult. It, it's also just, I think it's just the trope of, of the show. I hold nothing they, against the consultant. She was lovely. She was lovely. But it was just so funny to, like, see us. Uh, also the sisters I guess it's four years ago more more More, I think it does it feels like 10 years ago okay but I think in reality it's four years ago my hair is so short well yeah I got married it was before I started using a full coverage foundation it was 2016 okay four years ago like legit almost to the day literally to the day it was fall of 2016 um and it's just like the way that we were all talking we're like totes like (laughs) Gorgina. <laughs> but they like made us do that. They did. I couldn't. Uh, and maybe, you know what? Do- you know, that's a fabulous Patreon episode. Me and us watching. watching it. And we'll tell you the stuff that they made us do. Like, oh, that's a good all, idea. And all the social media stuff. Stop. Like, seriously, stop. <laughs> I know. I know. They, they just forced us to be so cringy. But like, I was so excited to be on the show. But the episode came out really, really cute. I mean, obviously, we're our own worst critics. And, and it's your episode. So you probably look at it the most harshly. But I think other people really enjoy it. Like, we look, we're cute. You know, I think I would have loved really to have been there for you as a bride. Like, yeah. I think being like a sister or a bridesmaid is like the best part. You don't have to try on dresses. You just get to sit and enjoy like being on TV. Yeah, it's exciting. Yeah, and it's like you're not, they're not trying to make you out to look bad, even though sometimes they really pit like bridesmaid against bridesmaid in certain episodes. That didn't happen with us. Um, but I do really want to see Kristen's episode. Yeah, you should watch it. Okay, next story, little update on a story from last week, but Kanye is apologizing to Kim on Twitter saying, please forgive me. He tweeted, I would like to apologize to my wife Kim for going public with something that was a private matter. I did not cover her like she has covered me. To Kim, I want to say, I know I hurt you. Please forgive me. Thank you for always being there for me. 
I mean, the irony is that he's publicly apologizing for being public. Yeah. I'm sure they've spoken about it privately and that he's apologized privately, but I think he needs to close the loop uh, with the, the public, people. you know, because we still haven't heard him. You know, I think they were just yeah. closing the book on this chapter. I also chapter. heard... I also heard that he, like, checked himself into the hospital in coding. Did you hear that? No, I didn't hear that. There were paparazzi pictures of him. Um, like, it's unclear if it was, like, for him and for his mental health. But there are pictures of him at Cody, whatever the hospital is called. Cody okay. International. Cody I don't General. Know. <laughs> Cody Jenner. <laughs> Cody General. Yes, 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 yes. yes. Um, there are pictures of him. Is that what him. it's called? I'm sure. Oh. I don't fucking know. Um, Cho- Cody Sinai. I don't know. Um, Cody Hill. Okay, I'm done. Um, I don't know if it was for him or if it was maybe he broke his wrist I don't know but there are photos of him walking into a hospital which is a good sign that is a good sign yeah no I'm glad that things are quieting down and he's he has apologized on Twitter which I think is is good for the world even though I personally like didn't didn't need it it. and I think they have you know their husband and wife and they communicate and I'm I think it's okay but I'm, I look forward to, you know, putting this in the rear view. Me too. I'm like over talking about it. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. So I know you want to talk about our fifth and final story. I'm I gonna, do. I'm going to jump right in. Riverdale star Vanessa Morgan is pregnant and Claudia Ashray has a lot of thoughts. Well, here's why. It's so... Let me, re- let me just read the announcement, it's okay? It's multifaceted, my interest in this story, but please. Riverdale actress Vanessa Morgan is pregnant and expecting a baby boy with her husband, Michael Kopech. She wrote on Instagram, quote, was debating keeping this part of my life hidden, but I knew people would want to see pictures eventually with my belly and I wanted you guys to hear it from me I do want to keep this chapter of my life private but did want to be the first to share the news she said "Um, it's almost like everything I thought mattered in this life has completely changed we're here for such a greater purpose and life is so precious I can't believe how much my growth and strength how much growth and strength you've already given me as your mom it's like God knew I needed you my angel she added a few more uh, sweet notes um but overall, she's so excited and so happy. So here's why the story really piqued my interest. One, I always forget that Vanessa Morgan from Riverdale, Tony Topaz, got married to Michael Kopech, who you might think is just like a low-level MLB player, which he is. But it's very important to not forget that he was on one season of Don't Be Tardy for the Party with the Beermans because he himself was dating Brielle Bierman when he was in the minor leagues and like there was talk about him getting to the major leagues and she like kind of like found him and like started dating him and then like they were together for so long and they were like really going strong and a lot of people shipped them and then one day he broke up with or I don't know who broke up with it but one day they broke up and five minutes later he was with Vanessa Morgan and then they got married and it's like oh damn like this is so real yeah so of course anytime we speak about Vanessa Morgan I'm always interested because the Bierman connection is so fascinating a reality star and a tv star like it's just so rare, you know? Yeah. No, it, it is quite rare. The, it's an interesting little young Hollywood... Moment. ...triangle. But it's not a triangle because, like, no, there was never seemed to be any beef. But it's just an interesting factoid. You know, it's, we do like to just remember where everyone came from. It's so important to remember where you come from. In order to understand where you're going. Thousand percent. So another reason why I thought this photo was so interesting, and when we posted it on our Instagram, people were very quick to point out, um, in the... Instagram caption she pretty much only uses I as a pronoun not like we're so excited we are keeping this private it's like I'm so excited I feel like this is meant to happen to me it was just all very first person which begs the question are her and Michael Kopech not together anymore she still has their wedding pictures and their wedding was kind of recently so Mm -hmm. she still has the wedding pictures up on her Instagram he is not tagged in them but he deleted his Instagram as far as I know like a while ago okay um and there's just like confusion 
Got it. I, I, hear, I hear why that's weird. You know, it, typically people say we, I mean, maybe there is something going on or maybe, you know, he doesn't want to be, they don't want their relationship to be out in the public anymore because everybody has an opinion mm-hmm. and that's actually something that I can respect. I mean, that's something we spoke about on the Patreon with Olivia yesterday because we were talking about Maren Morris, how like she's decided to no longer share pictures of her son on social media because she got backlash literally for the dumbest thing ever and she was like just over it and people were just so mean and quick to judge like and Olivia's like honestly like I totally get that and I respect that and Olivia's probably going to do the same so um I totally respect people's need for privacy and also maybe it's like he doesn't want to be he doesn't want to be on Instagram he doesn't want to be on social media she like she said she thought about keeping this private that's probably what they maybe both wanted at first but now this is like her journey and she's going to share just her piece of it she mm-hmm. might not but like he might not be down for that right. so she's just sharing her experience it's very possible but I do think that is an interesting factoid yeah. that you pointed out also um, I just want to update everyone because Kanye did visit the hospital after oh. his apology um the, a source said that Kanye has been experiencing a lot of anxiety lately. He has been surrounded by a lot of people and started to feel really overwhelmed. He decided to go to the hospital to get checked out. Upon his arrival, Kanye decided he'd rather be seen at home. He headed back to his home. An ambulance followed. Kanye was treated, and his doctor says his vitals are normal, and he's feeling much better. Oh, good. So okay. update on that. L- love to hear it. Um, we're going to jump into our TV recap segment. We are going to break down our Tuss movie of the week, which was Black Panther, and then into some of the stuff we watched this weekend, things we loved and things we didn't love, The Kissing Booth too. And our TV recap segment is brought to you by Stamps.com. As we slowly adjust to a new normal, we will still need to be smart about how we do business. Luckily, there's Stamps.com to make things easier. Thousands of small business owners have discovered the benefits of Stamps.com in recent months. They've been able to keep their businesses running and avoid the crowds at the post office, all from their own computers. With Stamps.com, you can print postage on demand and avoid going to the post office. And you'll save money with discounted rates you can't even get at the post office. Stamps.com also offers UPS services with discounts up to 62% and no residential surcharges. Stamps.com brings all the mailing and shipping services you need right to your computer in the comfort of your own home or office. Whether you're a small business sending invoices, an online seller shipping out products, or just working from home and need to mail stuff, Stamps.com can handle it all with ease. Simply use your computer to print official U.S. postage 24-7 for any letter, any package, any class of mail, anywhere you want to send. Once your mail is ready, you just leave it for your mail carrier, schedule a pickup, and drop it off in the mailbox. It's that simple. And like we said, with Stamps.com, you get great discounts too. Five cents off every stamp and up to 62% off USPS and UPS shipping rates. Stamps.com is a no-brainer, saving you time and money. Right now, our listeners will get a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a digital scale without any long-term commitment. Just go to Stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in TOAST, T-O-A-S-T. Again, that's Stamps.com. Enter code TOAST. Thank you, Stamps.com, for sponsoring today's episode. Thank you, Stamps.com. Let's do it. Black Panther, what were your thoughts? Okay, so I love to just watch a movie that is like has completely just taken over the world. Like, so exciting to see, like, what all the hype was about. Yeah. Now... I'm not so into like superhero movies is what I've learned. I haven't seen that many. Some, most, some, like I'm, the last one I watched was like Aquaman. I wasn't like crazy about it. Cause like all of the like fighting and the technology and then you have to understand the technology in order to understand how they're going to be defeated with the fighting. Like that's just not really like my genre, mm-hmm. but I thought so much about it was so cool. I thought the, some of the casting was so great. One of my favorite um, things about it was that, the villain Claw. Mm-hmm. You know who he is, right? No. Richard from 13 Going on 30. <gasps> Richard. The boss. The boss. 
Jackie. At first I was like, who is this guy? He's so familiar. He's so right there. And I couldn't put my finger on it. And I Googled him. And once I saw his face outside of being a superhero, right. I was like, it's Richard. I'm so glad he's still working. That brings me so much yeah, joy. And he was a really good villain. villain. And Zach always says like, um, a great like superhero movie is only as good as the villain. Mm-hmm. So I try and like watch everything through that lens sometimes. And I think the fact that we had like two villains yep. was so great. But I wasn't totally like against Michael B. Jordan, you no, know? I think and he I had some valid points. I think he did too. And, and so I didn't like the way that whole thing played out. I feel like it could have been solved in a kind of better way um, as far as just like storylines go, you know? You know, I feel like they couldn't decide whether they wanted Michael B. Jordan to be like all bad because while, yes, he was irrational with like the burning of the Black Panther liquid and he was like, he was the Mad King. Like he yeah, was crazy. Yeah. He literally he was, said burn them all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was really driven by this concept that I kind of agreed with. It's like, yes, what's happening in Wakanda is amazing, but to not share the resources outside of their own community with their black community that is suffering in other places, isn't that wrong? Yeah. So I feel like they stole his idea and then let him die. Yeah, so I, at first I was like, well, he kind of has a good idea. Why do they have to make him take it so far? But I guess that's like a commentary on just human beings. Like nobody is perfect. Even if you have the right idea, people get carried away with power. Yeah. You know, but I didn't think that he had to die. No, I, I didn't and think he was going to die. Yeah, I didn't think he was going to die. And even when he said, like, come on, we'll, we'll, we'll help you. And he was like, I don't want to be in chains. I thought that um, Chadwick was going to be like, no, I want you to, you know, be on my council. No, they, like, let him die. I thought that was weird, too. Like, I, w- I wasn't fully satisfied with the ending. I thought Chadwick Boseman was amazing, like, a really fabulous actor. I had one major problem with the movie, and it was Sterling K. Brown, because... To me, like, he is just so cemented in my brain as, like, a suburban dad. I don't know why, like, partially from his character in This Is Us, but just, like, seeing him on red carpets, he's, like, kind of nerdy. And, like, I was just not buying that he was, like, a traitorous villain for one minute. Like, I was not buying anything he was selling me. And I'm like, is that Sterling K. Brown? I just, I wasn't buying it at all. And it was, like, he was, like, acting, and it was, like, making me laugh. Like, it just, I wasn't, I wasn't into his casting at all. I, I, I hear that. But I also think maybe it was good because he was kind of like undercover in the well, U.S. Yes, so, it's like you would never suspect. So you would ne- yeah. So it didn't, that didn't bother me necessarily, but I hear what you're saying. I thought Lupita Nyong'o was fabulous mm-hmm. and it could have really de- dealt with like more airtime for her love story because the love story seemed kind of random. Yeah, and kind of rushed. You know, at the end they like get back, they get back together. I think they had been together in the past because like of everything that they had been through. Mm-hmm. But like it would have been nice to see them like fall in love more along the way. Yeah, there were two things that I thought the movie was really important and I think why it resonated with so many people. The first is like clearly the metaphor of like Wakanda being like everyone thinks they know what Wakanda is but like it's actually like this flourishing community I think is like a metaphor for you know the black community it's like everyone thinks that they know and everyone has like kind of judgments but it's like you really don't know what the black community like it's thriving you know so I think it was like um, I think I think if if I'm reading it correctly it was like a metaphor and um and Ben Ben watched with me because Ben's I don't not really into superhero movies like at all and Ben was just like excited that I had to watch one so he was watching with me and he was really pointing out it's like can you just believe like this movie was made in 2019 it's like why is there such a lack of diversity in Marvel which is like this there's not five Marvel movies there's five Marvel movies a year like it's not that hard so it was this kind of like cultural reset and for that I think the movie is spectacular yes you know I I agree with that and it shouldn't have taken so long yeah and there were like funny bits yes. throughout where it's like when she says about the shoes like what are those and it's like oh it's it's still it's like so culturally relevant even though it's taking place in like a 
you know, a far off world. Well, so that was the other thing. It's like, as far as I knew, I thought it was about like a made up place. So then it's like the movie opens in Oakland, California. And I was so confused. I'm like, I thought this was like a fantasy. Yeah. And then they kept or going like, to the real world. Yeah. Whereas like sometimes it takes like a superhero movie, like takes place like in a different time or yeah. in the future. Yeah. Right, right, right. But then I guess like Ben made me watch Batman and like it takes place in New York and like it's very, like I just, I get confused between like superhero movies and then like cartoons, you or, know? Or, and like, Fi- like sci-fi like fan like, fiction like star wars totally totally yeah. oh it's hot in here today yeah but that's also like wonder woman takes place during world war Two. so i never saw wonder woman like i really don't like superhero movies yeah but i actually i do like the aspect where it's kind it kind of is like historical fiction they're re they're telling a story about a certain time in history and the outcome of these superhero events affects the right. the course of history. Again, not my genre, but I totally, um, like I got the hype and the music was so good in um, Black Panther. That was like a great element that really elevated the movie. So good. Two things. One, um, the whole storyline with the CIA guy who they brought and healed and then he was like part of the crew. I just like, I didn't understand his purpose. And it was never really made clear whether or not he like ran back to America and told them like, cause he was like a foreign spy. So it's yeah. like, did they tell the CIA back at home like all about the gadgets and gizmos aplenty and the yeah. who's it's and what's it's galore? I, I don't think that he did cause he seemed, maybe he even stayed. Like he was like a true ally in yeah, the end. He was, he really was. And maybe he was there so that they could have information about Michael B. Jordan, but it just, it, it was kind of strange. And then the, Second part was that um, the tribe, what are they called? Jabari. The, I just, I love them so much. Me too. The king was everything of the sort. The, so hot. Literally, I loved them. And it's like, at first I was like, are these guys bad or good? Because they wanted to overthrow um, Chadwick Boseman. But when they lost, they didn't rebel. Like, they just... They took it. They took, they took the loss. And then it was like they went back and, and needed the Jabari's help. And they, they really reminded me of the Dothraki when they like came in on horseback with their like feather. Yeah, um, no, it, it actually did remind me of Game of Thrones a little bit when they're having that battle uh, outside the castle, I guess. Yes. And it, they're all being circled in, which literally happened in the Battle of the Bastards. And then the, from the side comes um, Jabari. Jabari, but also that's literally what happened with the Battle of the Bastards when from the side came Littlefinger's peeps. Yeah. Um, it, was, it was good, you know? It, I don't think it was my favorite that we've watched yet, but I get it now. Yeah, I get it, and I'm glad I saw it, and it, it was really cool. Um, our next film is If Beale Street Could Talk, which has come very highly recommended, was nominated and won a bunch of Oscars maybe last year or the year before that. Um, so, yeah. Make sure to watch it, and we'll be yeah. recapping a week from today. Can't wait. I also really want to talk about The Kissing Booth um, and Indian Matchmaking, which are two things that I watched this weekend. Well, I can't say watched for The Kissing Booth because I barely made it through 45 minutes. Really? Which, but you're, you've been so hard on The Kissing Booth. Like, Well, you know what? You, you're right. You, I have. You have been, because this is what happened. For people who are just tuning in, you know, recently you loved kissing booth one you loved it so much i watched it so many times and i felt like it transported me to like a time in my life when like i was in high school i'm like i just i thought it was the most amazing movie you thought it was so well done obviously like the you know bella and edward style real life love between joey and jacob Mm -hmm. really transports the movie makes it extremely believable and it is really well done in terms of how they portray high school events and you loved it you loved it so much i did and it also like created an entirely new genre on netflix 100 percent. that then all these movies came to follow like to all the boys i love before so then what happened was you saw to all the boys i love before and you turned on kissing booth because you want to know why the kissing booth really had to walk so that to all the boys could run and when I went back and watched The Kissing Booth after seeing 
to all the boys I love before, I'm like, this movie's a piece of shit. Like, okay. it's, it's just, it's cubic zirconium versus diamonds. Like, it's just, it's, it's not even the same. And so with the sequel, I feel like it's so strange what's going on because the sequel took 100 years to come out. We got to all the boys I love before one after the kissing booth and the to all the boys sequel came out before the kissing booth yes. sequel. I don't know why it took so long. I had so many problems with the sequel. I mean, what made the kissing booth great was that like you knew that Jacob Elordi and Joey King were dating and that like it was so cute that they met on set. And now we know not only are they not dating, he's dating Zendaya and they do not get along like Joey and Jacob. And yeah. You, it is so palpable in the movie, Jackie. Stop. Jacob Elordi feels like he just would be anywhere else besides this movie set. Like he's just dying to go back to euphoria. It's just, there's this palpable weirdness. Joey King is wearing a wig the whole time and it's just very ill-fitting. And I'm, I just was so disinterested. It just, the magic was so lost. Yeah, that's really rough. I feel like even when they were dating post kissing booth one I wasn't feeling the need for a kissing booth two because all that's left to do is to break up this couple because he goes to college right and now that the magic is lost like I understand they're going to make a lot of money from the movie and something did good so let's keep doing it again until we beat it into the ground Mm -hmm. there's a third one already filmed but like what we had the magic of kissing booth one was so special like sometimes you just have to leave it at that because it can't be recreated especially because these two broke up. No, sometimes you got to leave well enough alone. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. And I haven't even watched Kissing Booth 2, and I don't know if I will because I have like so much on my list right now. It just, like I keep saying. I, I, re- I mean, I didn't even finish it, but to me, there were just so many things that made no fucking sense. Like Elle's like, she was always going to go to UC Berkeley, and then she's like going to apply to some Boston schools so she could be near Noah. And I don't know what ended up happening, but she's like applying to Harvard. It's like, can't just apply to Harvard because you decided to. It's like, she was applying to Boston College, um, BU, and it's like, you don't apply to BU and Harvard. They were talking about Harvard like it was community college. Like like anyone could just apply and get in. It was bothering me so much. That's so funny. And then there's this girl at college that like Joey King is obviously jealous of because she's like so beautiful and worldly. And she like walks into the restaurant and is speaking French. And Joey just feels like a true high schooler in front of this girl who's been hanging out with Jacob Elordi and her, his new friends. And literally in no world is this a college student. She's 100 years old. Like, no, she's like... 25 but like yeah. she's just the least college college student ever got it wow you know what I'm just thinking about now like there I just saw that the next one's going to come out in 2021 and like I'm assuming Elle will be in college but like college is so different right now like we the students didn't really have a spring semester fall is pretty much going to be virtual yeah I wonder if like I mean probably kissing booth won't do it a virtual college session but yeah. some of these shows are gonna have to like incorporate what the quarantine into if it's a show about you know a chron- yep. like I'm watching billions right now and what's crazy is it must have been filmed in January or February because um in the last episode that they put out wags mentions coronavirus oh so now it's like obviously coronavirus would affect Bobby Axelrod's entire yeah. business like is, is Bobby Axelrod in quarantine? Is the next season just Bobby Axelrod in quarantine? Right. I mean, we know for sure Curb Your Enthusiasm is going to be acknowledging the pandemic. But it's like, this has now gone on far too long for, for any show to really just skip over it because, like, what were their characters doing? And But the thing is, I don't want to watch about people in quarantine. I know. Especially once we're out of here. It's depressing. But, like, this you know that is the situation so yeah. it's just interesting um the other thing i watched me like and how ben, will how will the coronavirus affect yellowstone the dutton ranch who knows who knows? who knows um me and ben fell in love with indian matchmaking on netflix this weekend um i just heard good things about it like i some people had like negative things to say about it in terms of like its cultural meaning but 
to be honest, I absolutely loved it. And I loved learning about Indian culture, especially as it pertains to marriage, because so much of it reminded me of Jewish culture. It's just like every mom nagging their son, like, when are you getting married? When are you getting married? It's literally all they talk about. Um, and I, I mean, I just, I loved it. First of all, it was so interesting because when you think of arranged marriage, you think of kind of like a traditional version of it, which I don't think has existed for a while, where it's like forced by the parents. No, she's really, I don't even, I don't even think they should be using the word arranged marriage because she's a matchmaker through and through. She's like a virtual dating app. Like, she finds you matches yeah. she sends you the bio data which is like name picture age job fun facts about you but you get choices of course and you go on a date if you don't like them you you say bye like it's really not an arranged marriage but they talk about two types of marriages in india even though the matchmaker is very prominent in india but she comes to the states for american indians she said there's two types of marriages there's an arranged marriage and a love marriage and a love marriage is like you just meet someone but then it implies that the arranged marriage like doesn't have love which it really does because it's not an arranged marriage it's a setup i understand honestly from what i understand some arranged marriages or set up marriages are the most successful well so they started every episode with an arranged marriage um couple who are have been married for 40 50 60 years it was so funny they're like so hilarious and so cute and just and of course there are bad marriages whether you get married via arranged marriage or love love marriage and i don't know i just think that like the show aimed to you're right it doesn't feel right to call it a love marriage because it it you're, there needs to be, I feel like the word needs to be like a felon, like a yeah. marriage where you fell. Right. So like, I just feel like the show was meant to deconstruct some of the things you might think about, like modern arranged marriages in India. And I feel like it did a good job of that. And I, I mean, the, some of the characters that were on the show were just true characters. Aparna, <laughs> the woe, like she was bothering me so much. She was from, but whatever. I don't want to get into it because like uh, towards the end, like the show really did lose me. They just like kept changing. There were like three singles here, three singles there. And if you, Spoiler alert, none of the couples are together now. Like, not a single one. Um, so at the end, it, it started to feel like a waste of time. But yeah. in the beginning... You need at least one to root for. To rally. That's like any show. Love is blind. Mm-hmm. Even The Bachelor. Like, without those successful couples in the past, this show it has it doesn't have a leg to stand so, on. So, like, the, it ended kind of weirdly. But, like, the first six out of eight episodes, I was living for it. And the best part of the whole show was this matchmaker. She's, like, very world-renowned. Like, her, she flies all around the world, meets with clients, is in airports. If she sees an Indian person, she's like, hi, I'm Seema, blah, blah. And she walks into someone's house, and she comes to the house. She meets the family. It's really Indian marriages are not between really a man and a woman. It's between two families. families. So it's like when they meet for the first time, the families come. And then they go out on a date by themselves. But so she walks into the house, and she's like, hi, I'm Seema from Mumbai. She literally, everywhere she goes, hi, I'm Seema from Mumbai. Seema from, she always says she's from Mumbai. It is so funny. I'm like, is she keeps saying, is that her last name? Or she keeps saying Seema from Mumbai. She just says, hi, I'm Seema from Mumbai. She herself was an absolute legend. Like, just giving some of these singles, like the cold hard truth, like you gotta get get it together. You gotta stop being so negative. Like some of these people like had, you know, walls within themselves that she had to break down. Um, But again, like what you learned about Indian culture was so fascinating. Like literally, if you make a match, she would take their pictures to a face reader. And he would be able to tell within minutes if they're a match. He's like, he sh- showed a picture of a Parna, and he was like, this girl's very stubborn. Yeah, she is. Like, he could just really know so much what about them. What did he them. look for? I don't, he didn't say. Oh, he, he, didn't, he didn't reveal he didn't the, methods, the method. Okay. But it was just crazy, like, the different methods. And then they, they really believe in astrology. So they give the charts of two people that are really getting along. And 
show it to like a world famous astrologer and it's like what does it mean and there was a couple you know Vyasar who was starting to get along with this girl and they did not match like at all and he was right because literally like they were FaceTime dating for two weeks and they couldn't stop fighting like there really is so much to it and they believe so firmly in these things and it was really cool like I really enjoyed it it sounds really good it was I'm gonna add it to my list because you're making it sound really good and then you just learned so much about the region like there was Nadia who was like everyone's favorite she was just like this sweet 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 girl who just like couldn't find the right guy and she was Guyanese and I honestly had never I didn't know what that meant and it's like this region in Southeast Asia I think where a lot of Indians were transported or something so it's like a lot of people in the Indian community don't consider her to be Indian because she's Guyanese got it and then Seema told me what ended up finding her a Guyanese guy in New York it was just it was beautiful it was and of course none of the couples ended up together but not even those two no and she didn't even like the Guyanese guy didn't work out she ended up with this cutie from Chicago shaker his name was and they like went off into the sunset and you just assumed that they were together forever and um they're not damn it, it's hard to watch now knowing that it doesn't I know. work out but it was just there were funny moments it was just really really good okay wow great rec thank you yeah anything else you watch this weekend well just yellowstone which a lot of people have been suggesting it is on peacock originally on paramount network and it's like kevin costner mm. and um other people who so many actors who look like other actors like the son Casey to me looks like a mixture of Garrett Hedlund mm-hmm. and um, Tim Riggins oh sounds hot and Avery from Nashville no it's really good it starts off really slow and it's really kind of brutal mm-hmm. and intense and at first I was like this is not suitable for campers <laughs> um, but I think it tells like a real story of what goes on in in Montana mm-hmm. um, and like because there's so much like forestry and animals out there and, mm-hmm. and livestock and it's really really interesting I think the show is really well done it's so beautiful it's the farm chemin like mm. it's the farm chemin life you've been dreaming of some tv shows like impact your mental health in the sense like That's when I, where I am when I watch Vanderpump Rules like I always want to go out and get drunk with my friends and I feel like if I watch Montana like I would just want to retire on a farm yeah well like that's always what I want for myself no, if so I watch Yellowstone not if I watch Montana sorry it's always what I want so it just like in like Heightens. reaffirms that in me mm-hmm. so hopefully I can find like a Yellowstone rot, scenic ride on Peloton to oh, hold yeah. me over but I think that you should watch it. Okay. Because right now I'm in the middle of season two. I'm not sure if there's a season three. I hope that there is. Because it's one of those shows where it's like, it's not like everything's popping off left and right. But like when you're in it, it transports you. You're in a whole new yeah. world. Kind of like The Crown. It's exactly like The Crown. Yeah. Where it's like it, not everything's moving. If you if you don't understand what someone said in one line, like you don't need to rewind. Yeah. But overall, you're just in another place. Fabulous. Yeah. Um, also, over the weekend, Shea Coulee was announced the Drag Queen All-Stars winner. Um, of course, this was the least shocking news I've heard all day. The season was literally made so that she could get justice because she deserved to win on her season. And that's that on that. I said it from day one. She's toasty as hell. And we st- in this house, we fucking stand Shea Coulee. And I'm just, look at me. Do I look surprised? No, because I'm not. You don't. You I'm don't not. look surprised. Because I'm not. Well, you don't Actually, I look a little surprised right now. My eyebrows are kind of high. But I was just, it was her time, you know? Yeah. Like the San Francisco 49ers. Oh, speaking of eyebrows, um, watching Say Yes to the Dress made me feel so good about my decision to get Botox and to continue to get <laughs> Botox because the the frown line, like, was crazy. And it's like, I'm so much younger there. Mm-hmm. And my my forehead's all over the place. And it wasn't even, like, I wasn't even on the show. But you could see yeah. my frown line. <laughs> you were on the show. Yeah, yeah but, you, like, it, 
Not even. Um, anything else? It got really hot in here, and I'm ready to go. We've talked about so much. I think I really think this is an episode where we've talked about the most we've ever talked about. I like, hope so. Every story had like a sub story. We yeah. talked about like a million different shows. So I believe that is all she wrote. I, her hand must be hurting. I mean, my thighs are chafing, so her hand must be hurting. Okay. Thank you guys so much for listening to the Morning Toast, the Millennial Morning Show. We post videos on our YouTube channel Monday through Friday, and we're also available as a podcast anywhere podcasts can be found. So that's Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Public Radio, iHeartRadio, Castbox. All the places. So wherever you listen to podcasts, find us. Morning Toast and leave a five-star review about how beautiful, stunning, and smart we are. We love you guys very much, and we will see you tomorrow. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye.